Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Now we are continuing our focus on LGBT stories and today I want to talk about the LG, the older LGBT community. Now as the LGBT people get older they are often forced into the closet due to the fear of not being accepted. They are often not open with their health professional as well about who they are which can have a serious effect on their mental health and well-being. My first guest works with the older community as the LGBT Ireland Champions Tra- Training Programme Coordinator and he is passionate passionate about advocating for older LGBT members and highlighting their stories. And in fact, he did just that in a really powerful, eye-opening eight-part podcast series called Invisible Threads. And it features an awful lot of uh, older members of the LGBTQ community opening up about their experience living as a queer person in Ireland. I'm delighted to be joined by James O'Hagan from LGBT Ireland. How are you doing, James? I'm very good. Thank you so much for having me on today. Oh, it's great to have you. Absolutely (laughs) brilliant to have you. First of all, though, tell us a little bit about you, because you're not only an advocate for the LGBT community, you're also a very talented podcast host, producing quite a few podcasts. The Big Gay Bucket List, which is probably the most hilarious, and a podcast devoted to Drag Race as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, once I once I found that the that the sort of audio space was where I liked to be, I really capitalised on it. But no, but I suppose it is. Um, I, I, what I love about podcasting is that it allows you to tell these sort of stories, and it, it's allowed, it's a great place for kind of niche interest. So you can find kind of anything that you want to hear about and feel really connected into the issues. And I suppose when um, a couple of years ago, when um, some friends were were talking about this idea of of doing the big gay book list, which is the first one I did, it was kind of this idea of like, well, we haven't really heard our stories told. We haven't really heard people talking about kind of, you know, what our life is like as a sort of as a, a, a queer person growing up in, in Ireland, having grown up kind of in a rural community, moving into Dublin. So really it was a space for us just to talk about those shared experiences. Um, and then we heard from so many people who were like, oh, I really relate to that. Oh, that really kind of makes me feel like sort of like that makes me feel normal. That makes me feel like I fit in, which is just a fantastic, I mean, a fantastic avenue to have. And you're absolutely right. And I mean, Drag Race is basically... Uh, <laughs> It's a phenomenon. It's a cultural phenomenon. Phenomenon. I mean, it's, it's you know sort of you know the, the the straight guys out there talk about football and it's like that. It sort of you know breaks down the barriers for banter <laughs> and, and chat. Whereas Drag Race does that for the for the gay community. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so much fun it really is uh, oh, but is, yeah. you know you, you're you're talking about the gay book uh, big gay bucket list there and about you know coming from a rural community and living in, in Dublin you are from Gormanstown you came out in the year 2000 what was your experience like? I mean I suppose like I, I was very lucky uh, when I was coming out because I had an incredibly supportive family and, and very very supportive friends around me and, and I suppose like you know it's hard to believe how like exactly how different Ireland was at that point in many ways. I mean, the, two, the year 2000, it, it was only seven years since, since homosexuality had been decriminalised, which mm. is absolutely amazing to think about. Uh, but I suppose that there definitely still was shades of that old Ireland around where kind of, you know, currently it feels like as if for an awful lot of people who are coming out now, there's a celebration around it and it's kind of like the people are just really excited to see a person be able to live authentically as themselves. And there's 
this sort of sense of like, now this is a brilliant new chapter in your life. Whereas certainly when I came out and, and the experience that a lot of people who would have come out in and around the same time of me, the, the feeling would have been like, we love you for who you are. We're delighted that you're able to be yourself. But there was that sort of sense of sort of anxiety because the, the, I suppose we hadn't seen examples of yeah. sort of uh, gay people thriving and flourishing and living full and satisfied lives. It still was that very kind of, you know, old school idea that this is sort of, you know, a hard road you're going to have to walk. So I was very lucky. I've, I had I've plenty of friends who came out in around the same time who, who wouldn't have enjoyed the same, um, I suppose, the, the same kind of acceptance mm. right off the bat that, that I did. And I suppose, I, it, 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 I, I mean, I'm very, I'm, I'm extremely thankful to, to my parents and my friends for kind of like, I suppose, uh, allowing me kind of get the confidence in who I am and never feel sort of an, like an outsider for it. Um, but certainly that wasn't an experience shared by people who were, were coming out of my generation and particularly then for people coming out earlier than me. Um, yeah. It would have been a very different situation. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, look at everybody, as you say, everyone's experience is different. And even today, there's difficulty. There really is. Um, mm-hmm. But when did you start working for LGBT Ireland? Um, so I, start, I, I started in LGBT Ireland in, in January of 2020. Um, I suppose I, my, my road to, to becoming involved in this kind of activist space and trying to, I suppose, work actively to try and improve the, the lives and the experiences of LGBT people came around from the, the marriage equality referendum. Like so many people I, I know, I sort of became sort of activated at that point. I, I started, I went out, I realised that I, I needed to go out and sort of add my sort of voice to the conversation happening about that. It was so important that finally I think in a weird way the marriage equality referendum while also was probably the greatest statement of inclusion that I that I ever felt for being a part of the for as being an Irish queer person it also was probably the first time I ever felt like I was somehow different to other people like suddenly it was highlighted to me in a really stark way that my my brother can get married mm. to, to someone but I can so I went out and started and um, I, I canvassed during that period of time and it just I realised it sort of awoke this passion in me that I was like, no, I, I want to work in this field. I want to be part of the, the, the I want to be part of the, the people making the change and make, making the change and making it easier for, for people to, to come out and live as their authentic selves. And from that on, then I, I started the podcast with that same sort of idea in mind um, that this was going to be about kind of trying to share people's stories and make people feel comfortable in who they are. And in, um, the end of 2019, a, a position came up. I'd, I'd been doing some sort of work in different groups as well uh, throughout that period of time. And in 2019, the end of 2019, I saw that job coming up in LGBT Ireland. It was sort of related to what I'd been doing previously in this kind of it had an event and training aspect to it. And I was like, right, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. And I, I got the job and literally wasn't in the place uh, a wet weekend and suddenly everything shut down <laughs> because of the, the pandemic. So suddenly it was like, right, OK, the job I thought I had isn't the one I have. But, but ultimately it ended up being definitely the best decision I ever made for me personally. And just to, to feel like I'm making this difference for a part of the community who are kind of, you know, fairly invisible and maybe don't get the recognition that they that they deserve. Oh, absolutely. They are very much marginalised and this is kind of what you're working as uh, in terms of breaking down this and, and making them more visible. So you are working predominantly with older members of the LGBT community. What is life like for an older person from this community in, in Ireland today? What Give us an idea. Well, I suppose that from from research into this situation, and this is, you know, there, there is some Irish research from around 2011, so it is a little bit old at this stage. But, and, but then from, from, from speaking, to, I suppose, first off, just to say that 
as I mentioned, my my um, when I started working in LGBT Ireland, I was to be just involved in training. But as mm. a result of the pandemic, I we established an online community sort of for older members of the community to come together. We were running coffee mornings and, and different events to people. So I managed. I so said through that. I actually got to know a huge number of older members of the community who I wouldn't have been connected to before and actually got a chance to I suppose, understand the issues as they see them and their fears and, and also kind of what they want out of their connection back into their community and the respect that they want from, from general society. So uh, older LGBT people tend to be, I suppose, when we think about as we, we age, you kind of expect you have a sort of a, a support bubble around you. You either have children or you have a partner. Older LGBT people don't traditionally have this or, or, or a good percentage of them would be living on their own which then okay. gives them a which then gives them a greater reliance on the, the the support structures and sort of on older people's services but so many i think up to, to 35 40 percent of, of older members of the lgbt community would have sort of mental health issues from a um from previous i suppose from from previously living in a society where they were ostracized and that fear and um, i think if i remember off the top of my head i think 35 percent of older lgbt people say that they would be afraid to come out even to a close friend or family member for fear of being rejected that fear was baked in from the society they grew up in i mean if you have to think about it one of the participants in the podcast um in the invisible threads podcast said he was 37 when homosexuality was decriminalized mm-hmm. and sort of put it to me that could i imagine what it would be like to 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 have been 37 years living in a country where just the very nature of who it was you were who who you were as a person was criminalized um, and i mean he's very funny about it and jokes about he is and i was going to bring that up but i'm delighted you've brought it up because that's exactly what i was wondering how you felt um when he when he put that to you to be asked that to kind of you know like even though it was difficult you know uh for you in the year 2000 you know it was a very different ireland a very different um experience so when he put that to you were you like whoa it kind of makes you I suppose appreciate it doesn't it no, it really does, and I mean that's that's the thing I suppose that that came through to me. I suppose you, you, you asked me about kind of the, the like what the, the the life is like for mm. for older members of the LGBT community, and I think that one of the things I learned from from doing the interviews for the podcast and then getting to know so many members of the community through the work we do with the Champions Program and and the uh, the older and bolder online community is that. There's such a resilience, like from a positive point of view, it's come out of a negative because they're resilient because they have grown up in a country that has continually rejected them and has continually made them feel like outsiders. But there's such a sense of resilience and a joy and a passion. And just I think that that a couple of, of people throughout the, the interviews for the podcast spoke about how the sort of sense of relief, the finally being able to exhale, that sense of like, OK, I am who I am. And once they came out despite the fact that there was repercussions for them. Many had negative repercussions, issues with family members, sort of, you know, bridges burnt with, with, with people that they would have been close to, potentially discrimination in their workplace. But that sense was overcome um, by the, uh, was overcome by the, 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 the freedom to be themselves. One of the, the guys I chatted to, I think, put it quite simply when he said that sort of, this last year in lockdown is nothing compared to he would take another year of this lockdown over another moment having to live in the closet as not being who he is. Because mm. I think that the, the 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 freedom to express yourself and be who you are and feel respected and love for who you are is just so important. And I think that we sometimes focus, well, we do focus on youth LGBT issues. And it's so important that we do that because it's, it's coming out when you were young, you need that support and you need to feel like as if you're able to just be who you are and you, you have the ability to, to flourish as who you are. But we sometimes maybe forget to look back and think of the people who brought the trauma with them from the Ireland that existed 
previously and we need to really make sure that we're being visible in our support of those communities and we're making ourselves visibly inclusive and standing up and saying you're safe here and we want you as part of our community. Oh absolutely and this is what the Champions Programme is all about it's very much about kind of I suppose targeting people that are in the health profession social care workers you know people who are working within you know the older communities fear I suppose people who are dealing in daycare centres and nursing homes and all of that and what's great about it is a lot of these people have come on board to become champions which is great so for anybody um, listening in who might be working with in this sphere. What exactly is the Champions Programme all about and how can they get involved in this? Yeah, so, so I suppose we, when we were looking at what we could do in LGBT Ireland, uh, when we were addressing the issues that are the, the, the needs of, of older members of the community, we, we, we realised, first off, health and, and social care supports are the most important for us to be able to try and have an impact on because, as I said, many older members of the LGBT community have a greater reliance on them. So making them more open and inclusive and understanding of the needs of older members of the community was the first thing we, we, we realised we, we needed to do. So the Champions Programme is it's a network of health and social care professionals working in older people services or in the, um, I suppose, in, in, in those sort of settings that older people would more generally, more generally um, engage in. Mm-hmm. And it's so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an, a three-hour awareness program that sort of really looks, and we have, we have testimonials and, and, and contributions from older members of the community speaking about their experiences, speaking about their fears, speaking about their, I their, their life, and sort of you know how they have previously maybe not in not taking care that they needed as a result of, of sort of a fear that it may not be inclusive or, you know, that the pressure that's put on, on them to kind of either hide their identity or the fear of having to come out. So the, the, the three-year programme and then you were linked in with LGBT Ireland and you were linked in with, with a network of, we have over 160 trained champions now who are oh, making that's brilliant. throughout throughout the services that they're part of. And I mean, it, go, it goes from anything from, I, I last week was lucky enough to, to speak on, on Clontarf Hospital, which is a sort of rehabilitation hospital based uh, near, near Beaumont, had their first uh, Pride celebration. And it was amazing Great. to see the photographs coming back from that. Sort of, you know, there was a, a, an absolutely wonderful, I think a, post, a picture I might even get printed out and just have on my wall of a, <laughs> of, of, a, of, a, of, a of a woman who must have been in, in her 80s on a Zimmer frame carrying a Pride flag. Oh, yes. This is what its progress is looking like. I love it. Exactly. And I just was thinking that that, that's exactly what we need to see. People feeling free to be exactly who it was they were. And, you know, I think that the difference that you make, if you are a person working in that environment and you train yourself, we always say in LGBT Ireland, Becoming LGBT aware means becoming LGBT inclusive. So understanding the the background that your your patients or service users from the LGBT community have come from will help you be able to support them in a way that, that is really going to make a meaningful difference to them and not just to them, but to staff and people working around you. Because one of the things we see with the program is that there is such a boost to team morale and staff morale yeah. when people start getting trained as champions in the in, in their Oh, I definitely saw that from the videos that you guys have online uh, just from listening to the doctors and, and from people working in this sphere coming back and saying how positive it is and how kind of educated they feel and how I suppose they're they're excited to help they're excited to, to get the ball rolling on all of this it's a fantastic programme James, I could talk to you all day but I'm fast running out of time <laughs> if there's somebody listening in who is an older member of of the LGBT community and is worried about their future, uh, how would you encourage them to reach out? What support is available for them? 
Um, so I suppose what the, the we, LGBT Ireland managed the, the National LGBT Helpline. So that's available on 1890-929-539. And there's also an online chat, which is on our website, lgbt.ie. So if you're in need of support, like if you're in need of, of, of sort of, you know, support, you've got an issue that you're concerned about, reach out to us on, on, on either the, the online chat or the, 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 the helpline. We have trained volunteers who are there to listen and to will be able to talk to you about whatever your concerns are, even if it is that you're just are feeling a bit lonely and you would like a chat. Absolutely, yep. a, a, an acceptable reason to get to get in touch with us. Also, if you're on Facebook, you can you can search for the LGBTI plus older and bolder online community. That's the community of older LGBT people we established during um, the during lockdown. Boston. Yeah. So we have around 300 members in there. There's a weekly coffee morning and a number of events that we, that we would we would have to sort of over the course of a month. And it's a it's a nice social space. And I suppose I, I've been talking to a few of the people who would be sort of the more regular kind of posters in there about the fact that they want to see this turn into something that is kind of a, a an in person social club. So get involved in that as well. And. And, and it will get that support you need. And then I would also just say that we're very lucky to have a number of great organisations around the country. So wherever you are, particularly if, if you're in the around the Drada area, the Drada Outcomers and the Dundalk Outcomers do fantastic groups, amazing yep. work. Absolutely they really do. They reach out to them. Thank you so much, James. It's been wonderful chatting to you. Continue the great work that you're doing and please keep very podcasting yeah. as well. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> me on the show today. Thanks very much. Thanks a million. Bye, bye, bye. LGBT.ie for more information. That helpline 1890 for more details.